Welcome to Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo, a podcast created to spotlight and highlight marketers, tell their stories, and share their knowledge with those interested in all things marketing. If you're interested in more than just the cut and dry strategies and tactics and want to learn more about the human side of his guests and how they got to where they are today, then this show is for you. Welcome to Marketing Tales with Chris Raposo, a podcast created to spotlight and highlight marketers, tell their stories, and share their knowledge with those interested in all things marketing. If you're interested in more than just the cut and dry strategies and tactics and want to learn more about the human side of his guests and how they got to where they are today, then this show is for you. What trends do you see in the future of analytics in B2B marketing, especially with the evolution of AI and machine learning? So there's a lot of attention on generative AI right now. Um, And I think that that type of AI systems are going to improve the efficiency of analytics. However, there's another side, which is predictive AI that has been around for a little bit longer. Um, Ad platforms have been using it. Um, if you notice, like within Google, there's like smart bidding that's using AI, uh, and it's more of a predictive uh, model. So based on historical data, this is what we predict to be the, the uh, things in the future. So the more that you can feed those ad platforms, the data that you want, uh, like the outcomes that you want, the better they'll be able to target the right customers for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Tales Show with Chris Raposo. Today, I have the honor and the privilege to welcome you, John Peel. John, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. A special thank you to Joseph Lewin for um, introducing me to you. So it's always fun to have those introductions. So let's jump right into the episode. So I did a little bit of research on you, as I do with every one of my guests, and I noticed that you have a degree in marketing from Azusa Pacific University, and you're currently the marketing ops and analytics lead at Proofpoint Marketing. Now, since you have a degree in marketing, did you know early on that you wanted to be in marketing, and what do you love about marketing? Uh, Yeah, so my path into marketing uh, started in high school. I took a computer course in high school and they taught me how to uh, build websites. This was back in the early 2000s to date myself uh, when the internet was like just getting up and uh, maturing. Uh, So I learned how to uh, build websites, got really excited with um, doing that. And I started to see the potential of the internet in its ability to promote businesses. Uh, This early 2000s, not many businesses were doing that. Uh, so I, I saw that potential. And I got really excited about uh, what that could look like. So that started me down the path of looking into like, what does digital marketing look like in the 21st century? And um, yeah, so when it came time to apply for college, um, I looked at like general business administration uh, degrees, but what really excited me was the marketing uh, degrees and the, they like, um curriculum that and the courses I would take within marketing and it just really aligned with what got me excited um, and what my skill sets were. So that's my path towards marketing. Uh, and what I love about marketing is 
uh, I see myself as a creative person, but not in like the traditional sense of like visual design or creative writing, but more of like creative ways to solve complex problems. And I feel like that is marketing. You have these really complex problems of how are we going to get customers excited about our products and services and get them to eventually buy it. Um, there's a lot of like small little problems that you have to solve all along the way to um, get them to a, a accomplish that. So it's, it's like building this really complex system that's all interconnected uh, to achieve this big goal. Uh, and that's what marketing is. That's kind of where my skill set aligns with. And so that's kind of how I got into marketing operations and analytics is seeing that big picture system and how can we operationalize and optimize that whole system in order to um, improve efficiencies. That's awesome. And I love that you noticed that and realized that from an early age, you know, it, it plays to your advantage to be able to focus on something like this for a long time and to get better on it uh, or with it over the years. So kudos to you for recognizing that early in your career. And Azusa Pacific University, where is that located? Yeah, it's in Southern California, uh, just east of LA. Not just. This is where you're from? Uh, no, I'm originally from Northern California. Um, I was exposed to Azusa Pacific University through a missions trip program that they run. Uh, so there were several uh, summers where I went down to Mexico through Azusa Pacific's program um, and stayed at the university on my way down to Mexico. Uh, and so when it came time to apply for colleges, Azusa Pacific was one of the colleges I applied for. Um, and they just the, the the culture and community there uh, really fit well with with what I was looking for in a college. Yeah, that's very important when you decide to go to school that it, it's a good mission fit for you and that you fit in with the culture, like you just said. Now, tell us a little bit more about your uh, company, Proofpoint. Yeah, uh, Proofpoint is a B two B marketing consultancy. Uh, we primarily focus on um, professional service companies, so. Uh, other companies that provide consulting services to like um, medical device companies or biotech, um, or like business consulting. Um, so my role within Proofpoint is to set up systems for our clients in order to be able to collect data. And then I analyze that data to make recommendations on how we can um, improve efficiencies, um, find things that we could, um, yeah, improve, um, find those trends and patterns um, to analyze. Great, great. Let's focus on that then. Um, when we planned this interview, you told me, like you just said, that you work with analytics and you focus um, on these specific things to make the proper recommendation. Now let's put it in a perspective of B2B marketing. Can you explain the role mm -hmm. of analytics in B2B marketing and why it's so critical in today's business environment? Yeah, so B2B marketing is pretty complex and getting more and more interesting um, as the buyer journey uh, kind of evolves and matures. Uh, so the role of B2B marketing is getting more complex and it's a difficult to build out these huge, massive marketing programs um, so that covers the entire buyer journey. Uh, so analytics, is about understanding all of those touch points and how those touch points can work together 
towards achieving uh, your objective. Um, so overall, analytics helps with focusing on what, what matters. Um, one thing that I've noticed when I'm working with marketing teams is that they tend to just go through the marketing motions of, oh, we have to send out emails, we have to post on social media, we have to run a podcast. There's just like this laundry list of things that they have to do within marketing, but they don't really understand the impact that those activities are having in um, accomplishing their objectives. Um, so what I do is I, I come in, analyze all of those steps, try to understand like, what is the marketing objective that we're trying to achieve? And are these activities actually contributing to that objective? Um, so yeah, that's kind of the role I see analytics playing in B2B marketing uh, and why it's important, trying to connect those dots uh, to marketing activities to overall business objectives. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. And you 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 touched on that, that you want to have a goal and you want to be able to see all of the laundry list of activities that you have, what has an impact so you can adjust and pivot to the ones that are more relevant to your target audience and maybe uh, cut some of the other ones that don't work particularly well or change. So when it comes to let's stay on the B2B marketing um, or B2B industry at, at large, what type of data should B2B marketers be focusing on collecting and analyzing? Uh, yeah, so for me, there's kind of two types of data that you wanna look at. One is like early indicators that can show future success. And then the other is looking back, data that looks back to see, did we achieve our uh, goals? Um, at Proofpoint, I've developed a, like a three-stage measurement framework that takes in those two um, metrics uh, into account. So the first stage is all about measuring the ability to create affinity within the market. So are um, people resonating with the brand? Uh, some might call this brand awareness, uh, but awareness alone doesn't really drive uh, revenue. You have to get people excited about your brand. And so that's why we, we look at affinity. Um, the way that we measure affinity is brand traffic to the website. So are people seeing the podcast, looking at ads, and then on their own coming to the website by searching that company's brand name? So that's, that's like a really good indication that affinity is being built up. Um, the next is looking at traffic to high intent pages on the website. So these are like service pages, um, what the company actually does. Um, if they're just coming to the homepage and then bouncing, like that's probably not, you're not building much affinity um, or they're just coming to look at the free resources or blog posts that you have uh, available. That's great to see, but if they're not really interested in the, the services that you offer, maybe not affinity is being built. Um, and then lastly, within affinity, we're looking at uh, in engagement within ads that talk to the company's like strategic narrative or unique points of view. Uh, if people aren't engaging with that, it's probably a good sign that that message isn't resonating with people. Uh, so looking at those factors. So those are like early indicators to show that we're going to be achieving our goal if affinity is being built. Um, next is conversations. Uh, some would call this like leads. Uh, the reason we say conversations is because it's not just 
leads for the sake of leads. Uh, we're really interested in like deep conversations that are going, that are sales qualified. Like sales wants to talk to these people and they're not just this random person that submitted their email for a, a white paper or something. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're looking at sales qualified leads um, and connecting the relationship between the affinity we've built and the conversations that are being created. Um, if we're seeing a ton of affinity being created, but not a lot of conversations coming from that, there's probably a disconnect there that we need to understand of, okay, how can we improve the like demand capture programs uh, to bring those conversations uh, into the business? Uh, so like analyzing the, the, the relationship between those two things. Um, so that's like, uh, every step is getting closer and closer to revenue. And so that those are the metrics that we wanna track is like, Mm -hmm. Every step getting closer and closer to revenue. Uh, and then lastly, we're looking at revenue numbers. Um, so these are conversions from conversation to pipeline, uh, overall pipeline value, pipeline velocity, win rate, average deal size. Mm -hmm. The hope is that if we built up a good amount of affinity before they came into the pipeline, all of these metrics should be improving over time. So uh, the win rate should increase the average deal size should increase because there's more trust built within the, the community within the um, icp so we should start seeing like all of these numbers start to increase even if they're not directly sourced from marketing because even sales sourced uh like opportunities will be exposed to these marketing messages and that should hopefully build trust within the the, the market yeah. So those are yeah all of the the metrics that we're we're looking at and which ones we find important. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I've, I've talked to other marketing leaders over the last couple of months, and a lot of them talked about the sales qualified leads being the more important metric than the marketing qualified leads now because you want to build that stronger relationship with them. You know, like you just said, the affinity and be able to have some deeper conversations to understand their pain points, to understand their needs, and then be able to offer your services to help them along their journey, if you are mm -hmm. a good fit or not. You know, you can have a thousand marketing qualified leads, but if it doesn't lead them into the sales funnel, then it's basically a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Now, how, do you, how does analytics help in understanding and targeting the B2B buyer's journey? Uh, you know, you touched on that a little bit. Yeah, so what I look into is, um, there's several things that I look into that uh, go into understanding the targeting. One is channel, um, analyzing channel engagement. Um, within B2B, there's not always going to be a direct uh, attribution from channel to revenue. Uh, there's many touch points, it's a complex journey. So we can't really look at like, did this channel result in this revenue. Instead, we're looking at um, overall channel engagement. Is the message resonating with people um, on these channels? Uh, so like there's, there's a saying that the median is the message. So what we say on Facebook is probably gonna be a little bit different than what we say on uh, LinkedIn. Also a little bit different than how we communicate on a podcast. So we need to like use channel, find the best channels that articulate the message uh, to our audience and, and say in the way that that fits the the platform or the medium. 
Um, so yeah, channel, message. Uh, the other thing that we look at in terms of understanding the targeting is uh, bottlenecks within the marketing funnel and the sales pipeline. Uh, so one thing that I've noticed is that like a someone coming from Facebook to the website, um, they might have different expectations than someone coming from from LinkedIn to the website. So understanding where those uh, like bottlenecks or breaks in in the process are. Um, and fine tuning, maybe there's a different landing page or um, different messaging on the website. Um, and then lastly, it's looking at a doing a win-loss win analysis to understand at the very end, what are who are the, the people or accounts that are actually closing and winning the deals? And then how can we go back to the very beginning and target those types of uh, accounts and those types of people. Uh, so, so it's like a big feedback loop of, all right, these are the types of people that win. How can we target them at the very top of the funnel? Yeah. Yeah, you made a good point there with the different um, channels, Facebook, for example, versus LinkedIn. I've been running a lot of webinars lately, and I have source codes for each of the registration links. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of engagement on LinkedIn, the vanity metrics, I get shares, I get likes, I get comments, and I've not gotten anything like this even close on Facebook or Instagram. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is that I could see the visitors' views when it clicks on the on the links that I share on these different platforms, and I had more engagement on the link clicks on Facebook and Instagram compared to LinkedIn, even though nobody really comments or likes my Facebook or Instagram posts on, on mm -hmm. a company page, but there's a lot more engagement, like kind of like the black, um, what do you call it? Black social, dark social, dark social. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I didn't, I wouldn't know that people engage with my posts or click on those links. If I wouldn't have the analytics tracking on those, on those um, registration links. So that was very interesting to me to see because I thought nobody sees our, uh, mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram posts and everybody's just on LinkedIn. But when I started promoting some of our webinars, I could see the huge number of engagement that I wasn't able to see if I didn't have a trackable link that is. So it was very interesting to me when I did that, when I looked into that and started tracking those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, what are some, what are some common mistakes marketers make when interpreting and applying analytics data in B2B context? Yeah, I think what you just talked about is one of the biggest mistakes, uh, is focusing too much on the, the numbers and not understanding the like overarching objective and how those numbers relate to the objective. Uh, so going back to your example, if you were like super focused on just engagement metrics and didn't look at anything else, you would completely discount Facebook. However, if you understood like, what's the objective we're trying to achieve here? We're trying to get engagement further down the funnel. Um, and so then you can start looking at a little wider perspective of what metrics you're looking at. Um, and you can have, make better um, informed decisions off of that. So, the biggest mistake, not understanding the objective and just focusing in on 
quote unquote vanity metrics um, and then optimizing towards those vanity metrics. Like that is the biggest uh, mistake you can make within analytics and marketing in general. Um, and even like metrics that you wouldn't expect to be vanity metrics, like if you're solely focused on sales qualified leads, which is great, but those sales qualified leads are not actually converting into one revenue, there's, you've got to look further down the funnel, like, all right, why are they not converting into um, to revenue and understand that whole process. Uh, so then you can adjust further up the funnel in order to improve that, that process. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's about not focusing so much on the numbers and understanding the full objective. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I, I had that aha moment a couple of weeks ago. So I totally agree with what you just said. Um, now let's go to the other spectrum. Could you share some examples of companies that have successfully used analytics to boost their B2B marketing results? Yeah, um, I can't say uh, company names, but I can talk generally about like what they've done. Um, so uh, one company that I've worked with, um, they were fairly new in building out marketing programs. Um, they were relied heavily on referrals uh, in the past and really like connections with the founder, so founder-led sales. Um, and with that, the sales process was pretty easy for them. Um, the first, the people trusted the the founder. It was quick conversations, and the, the deal was signed. However, as they wanted to scale the company, they needed to bring in marketing and the people coming into the pipeline were a little less uh, familiar and had um, a little bit more skepticism about the, the company. And so there was more like selling that had to happen in order to close the deal. Uh, so with that, there were several uh, like bottlenecks or like leaks throughout the funnel that we, without analytics wouldn't have understood. And we would just, like I said, go through the marketing motions without really achieving our objectives. Uh, so we implemented some, some analytics, collected data, and we started to understand like where are the, the fall off points for people throughout the marketing funnel and sales process. Uh, one of the biggest things is that we found that we got a lot of people submitting leads, but the salespeople could not contact them um, and like have an actual conversation with them. And what we realized is that the sales team was taking sometimes more than 24 hours to get back to the, the uh, people with an email or a phone call. So we shortened that to less than an hour um, to see like what kind of impact that would have. It had a huge impact. We uh, increased the contact rate by 50%. So we would not have been able to understand that if we weren't tracking those contact rates or tracking uh, the impact that a shorter contact time would have on that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was one of the things that uh, this company implemented to improve, uh, like you boost their results. Uh, the other thing that they implemented was attaching values to conversions rather than just looking at um, lead volume. And the way that they did that is 
they segmented leads based off of certain criteria. So like industry and um, overall revenue. And depending on how the uh, lead answered in the form, they would attach a, a different value to them and then send that value back to ad platforms so that the ad platforms could optimize towards higher value leads and that improved lead quality overall. Uh, so that was a cool thing that like we were able to use analytics uh, and historical data to articulate those values uh, and then send those values back to the ad platforms. Very interesting. Very, very yeah. interesting job on that for sure, man. It sounds kind of like a law firm. I used to work in the legal industry and they were all heavily referral-based uh, leads. So mm -hmm. when it was a partner or an attorney that knew somebody, that's usually the way they got um, their their leads and their clients, but then they always had to pay a hefty referral fee. So it's mm -hmm. better to figure out how to get those clients through the door by yourself through your website. Um, how does the integration of marketing automation platforms and CRM system enhance analytics insights for B2B marketers? Yeah, yeah, this is a good question. Um, having that those bi-directional insights from marketing and sales uh, can really help both teams. So the value that sales gets from marketing uh, can be like understanding what their uh, prospects are engaging with. So like what content, um, how did they come into the system? Um, is this a like a warm lead that came from a referral or did is it a, a cold lead that came from like a webinar or something? So understanding that context so that they can have better conversations with their uh, prospects. And then on the, the flip side, the sales data can inform marketing in understanding where this person is in the sales process. So you're going to probably uh, give different messaging to someone who has just entered the sales process versus someone who is really far down the, um, the, the funnel. Um, and that that messaging changes and you can get that information from CRMs. Yeah, I love that. We have Salesforce that we partner with. And I did this actually after we completed a webinar. I, I checked who attended the webinar and then who's already in our sales CRM. And mm -hmm. then I saw that somebody, our salesperson contacted or left a voicemail and they never called them back. I, mm -hmm. I could tell them, hey, these people just showed up to our webinar call them today or tomorrow because yeah. they're interested. Mm -hmm. so that, that really works. I want to always work hand in hand with our sales team as well as our customer success team. You know, they should be one cohesive unit to mm -hmm. drive towards the overall success in the, in the company. So you want to get away from the siloed approach, marketing, sales, um, and success and have there's one unit together working. Yeah, yep, definitely. Uh, what trends do you see in the future of analytics in B2B marketing, especially with the evolution of AI and machine learning? Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of attention on generative AI right now. Um, and I think that that type of AI systems are going to improve the efficiency of analytics. So rather than having to spend a ton of time um, like building models or spending a ton of time in Excel, uh, it'll streamline the process a lot. Uh, so that's what I see like generative AI being able to do. However, there's a, another side, which is predictive AI that has been around for a little bit longer. Um, ad platforms have been using it. Um, if you notice like within Google, there's like smart bidding that's using AI 
uh, and it's more of a predictive uh, model. So based on historical data, this is what we predict to be the, the uh, things in the future. So the more that you can feed those ad platforms, the data that you want, uh, like the outcomes that you want, the better they'll be able to target the right customers for you. Uh, so like I said uh, before creating those conversion values that then we fed back to the ad platforms to inform them of these are the types of people that we want you to bring to us. Mm -hmm. So that um, that kind of like predictive and uh, AI really helped with that. The other thing that I'm exploring, um, haven't really figured out completely, is marketing mix modeling. And that is using um, some statistical modeling to figure out um, how channel spend correlates to um, different outcomes. Um, so we're attaching it to our different stages, which is affinity, conversations, and revenue. So how are these channels, what's the correlation between these spends and the uh, outcomes that we're getting at each of these three stages? Um, so that's machine learning is making that uh, a lot easier to do nowadays. Uh, so exploring that and like what we can get from that. Yeah, I like the way you touched on that predictive um, machine learning because I noticed that when I send out my newsletters through MailChimp, it mm -hmm. tells me you can schedule it at this time or schedule it at a recommended time by MailChimp where it looks back to all the previous newsletters that I send and just see which one, which time had the most engagement, most open rates. So that's something to consider as well. I always looked at it. I was like, what is this? Why is it trying to recommend something? I just want to send it at 10 a.m., but maybe I should follow the recommendation to see um, if I have a better open rate. Yeah, so. uh, you always want to validate those things because sometimes the AI can be, do some wonky things. But uh, yeah, you can get some uh, pretty interesting results if you uh, kind of follow what the AI says. Yeah, just test it at least, you know, see how it goes. Mm -hmm. So like we've touched on early in the conversation, you've been in marketing for a while. What is one important lesson that you've learned so far over the course of your marketing career, career that you can share with somebody just starting out? Yeah, so as it relates to, to analytics, um, I what I learned is how to present the data. Uh, early in my career, I would present just loads and loads of data to uh, leadership. And what I found is that it wasn't helpful um, just presenting like a ton of graphs and a ton of like a table worth of numbers. It didn't connect with them because that's not what they care about. Uh, so when presenting data, it's important to understand who you're talking to and what questions that they're trying to get answered. Um, when it comes to CEO, they're not interested in the getting into the weeds about like how many people clicked on your email and how many uh, people clicked on your LinkedIn ad. Like they don't care about that. What they care about is, are we achieving our uh, business objectives? And so how you can clearly articulate that through um, marketing data and analytics, the better they'll be able to make informed decisions on a high level. Um, when you talking to a CMO, maybe that's a different story. Maybe they do care about um, some of the more minute metrics on the channel level. 
understanding um, specifically how these channels are contributing to the marketing objectives. So understanding who you're talking to, what answers they're looking for, um, and tailor presentations around those um, confines. Yeah, in the end, in marketing, it's all about knowing your audience, whether it's <laughs> whether it's external or internal audiences. Yep, yep. Internal marketing is just as important as external marketing. 100% agree. 100% agree. What are two books or podcasts you recommend anyone should read or listen to to become a better marketer, maybe a better analyst? Uh, yeah, so in college, a book that I read that was really pivotal in, in my understanding of how marketing works uh, is called Positioning, uh, The Battle for Your Mind. Um, I think it's a pretty old book, like maybe from the 80s or something. Uh, but the the overall like themes and um, what you get out of it is I think really important in understanding how marketing works and how you can position a brand in the market um, to kind of elevate it or um, like find your niche um, within the market. So that was like a really good, it's like fairly basic understanding of how marketing works, but it's like really foundational to uh, my understanding. Uh, and then a podcast that I really like listening to like, as episodes come out is uh, B2B growth by Sweetfish Media. I think oh, nice. those awesome. guys have some really good insights to share. Our uh, One of my friends, LinkedIn friends, Dan Sanchez, he used to work at Sweetfish. Yeah, yeah, Dan's great. I had him on the show. He told me about it. So I'm going to have to look into that. Um, as we close the episode, last question, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about you, your company, or just chat about analytics? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, um, so you can find me there. I post every so often, probably not as much as I should be. Uh, and the rest of the Proofpoint team is also on there. They're pretty active. Um, you can find Joseph on there. Uh, he's really active, share some really cool graphics um, and illustrations that he draws to uh, articulate some marketing ideas. And then um, our company website is just proofpoint.marketing, uh, so you can go there to learn about our company great great john thank you so much for being part of the show today yeah yeah thanks for having me